welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dan Ratner, a nationally known pain psychologist who has developed a unique mind-body approach to healing chronic pain. He's also the host of the popular podcast, Crushing Doubt. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Dan, welcome back to the show. Um, Dan Ratner, the spelled R-A-T-N-E-R, is a psychologist, pain psychologist, who originally worked with Dr. Sarno's principles and was in New York City for many years. He suffered from chronic pain himself for about eight years. In a matter of a few months, why he was able to go relatively pain-free, which is a common experience what I'm excited about is that, as you know, from my own experience, but also other practitioners that have been through chronic pain and solved it, when you've been in the depths of chronic pain yourself, it's a very dark spot. It's much easier to connect to your patients and help them out of the hole. So Dan, welcome back to the show. And I'm excited to find out some of the details of what you actually offer your patients. So welcome. Thank you for having me again, David. It's uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you. And I'm always astounded at our connectedness about how we think about things. Right. So quick thing, you could you tell us again, you were in New York and now in Cleveland and you do international consults. Is that correct? Yep. And of course, in any, any state in America, but also anywhere internationally. And, um, you know, as I said last time, one of the reasons that I feel able to do that is that it's not so much therapy, it is informational sessions. My, my short-term consultations are about really identifying the nuts and bolts and the specifics of your mind-body process, what is happening, what's getting in the way of getting better, and making some recommendations for that. So uh, they've been a great success. So what I want to jump into, and Dan and I talked about this before, and we want to have a, a healthy debate as well, use it, because words mean something. And it's interesting, I have a process called the doc journey, which many of you know, and it's the action plan of my book, Back in Control. And my first session is about embracing your disbelief. And your <laughs> title is called Crushing Doubt. And, I, and with the conversation we had before our podcast, we're, we're basically seeing the same thing with a different manner. So my thing is, um, so can you explain the term crushing doubt, how that came up with it and what you really mean by that term? I would love to. And one of the things I, I want to say right at the outset about the term is you have to remember it has two meanings. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of people hear the one meaning and they tend to hear the one that is about crushing doubt, about making doubt go away. Right. But crushing doubt is also the experience of what it is like to doubt. Right. You know, the eight years of pain I had, I experienced crushing doubt. Uh, after that, I worked on crushing the doubt as a verb. I see. You know? So crushing doubt can, crushing can be an adjective. Okay, good and point. I hadn't really thought of that. Now, may, maybe I'm, I was being too clever for my own good with that, but... Um, no, it's good. I like it. The reason I liked it is that it captured both sides. Right. It, and, and so, but yes, I, I think most people, if they hear it one way, they hear it the way that you were, which is, but wait, don't you have to let in doubt? And one of the things we said before is, if you want to address doubt, you have to let it in. It has to be there. 
right. in full. Right. I think one thing that people do to deal with doubt, I mean, you've been bounced around the system. You've seen doctor after doctor. You do lose hope in a big way. And so that is crushing doubt. I mean, everything has been tried. So let me just try this terminology that I use. Okay, so let's say you're my patient. You've been in chronic pain for eight years. Let's say I'm Dr. Sarno, which I'm not Dr. Sarno, but um, I'm in his role. And I say, look, I have this program that's going to help solve your chronic pain. Really, there's not one reason in the world you should believe me. You've been, you've been in the medical system for eight years. You've been bounced around. You lost hope. Nothing's really worked. So why should you believe me? Right. And actually, that, that's, I like to articulate that doubt. One of the things I do in the short-term consultations is get doubts articulated, very similar to what you just did. I don't expect anyone to come to me believing I can help. Um, I, I mean, I want them to believe I can help, but I don't expect them to come to me with full belief in that. That doesn't make any sense. It's just right. like what you're saying. So, so they come to you with some hope, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as soon as you use the familiar words, it's almost like a PTSD. As soon as you offer the words, well, I'm going to solve your chronic pain, you're going nonsense or maybe a stronger mm -hmm. word than that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, okay, sure. All right. I've been bounced around forever. You're saying you're going to solve my pain. What's going on? And I have a big problem as a surgeon because I'm the last hope. And when I tell them, tell them that surgery is a bad idea, actually counterproductive, they, they honestly want to kill me. I get it. I understand. I'm their last hope. I said, nope, surgery's not going to work. And not only does surgery not work, you probably know this, but the success rate for a spine fusion for back pain is 22%. That's it. I'm surprised it's that high, but it's, it's horrible. And there's not one research paper in 60 years that says that a fusion for back pain works. So let me ask you a question. You had back pain for eight years. Did you see surgeons during that period of time? I never saw a surgeon. I got up. This was really interesting. I got up to what was called a back specialist. And I found that the higher up I went on the chain, the less they knew. It was so strange. Really? But, um, well, here's why. I think what they really were was a specialist in knowing the anatomy at a very microscopic level. Got it. They were not specialists at knowing what to do about it, which was completely astounding to me. Uh, so they could tell you exactly what was going on, but they couldn't tell you what to do about it. Right. Interesting. So let's go back to the crushing doubt concept. So my thing is that I don't want you to blame me. And what I'm really clear about with this whole, it's called the doc journey, direct your own care journey, is that I want you to start with your skepticism and doubt, and you don't, you don't even have to let it go. And so one of my patients that's been extremely successful pointed out, just suspend your disbelief enough just to engage in the tools that to start to change your brain. Yeah. And so the thing which you don't want to do, and this is hard not to do, is that let's say Dan Ratner is a guru or David Hanscom's a guru that somehow if I just generate enough belief in the doc journey or Dan Ratner or David Hanscom, if I just have enough belief, somehow it's going to heal me. And it's actually the opposite. So what you're doing is connecting with what is right in front of you and just using different types of tools to start reprogramming your brain to go a different direction. And this new brain that you're programming does not have pain or you shift from pain circuits to non-pain circuits and so for you here, you, you, here you have eight years of back pain. And again, we hear the story all the time and you've been pain-free now for quite a while. 
I mean, that's mm-hmm. not subtle. That's a pretty dramatic difference. We yeah. discussed on the first podcast that this was not imaginary pain. You were miserable. You said you had pain shocks a hundred times a day or more, and you were pretty miserable. So my other question for you, what was your anxiety like during those years? Uh, There was a lot of anxiety and I would say depression too. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's like those uh, studies of lab rats that are getting shocked. They, 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 they can have high anxiety and I don't, I don't mean to compare myself to a lab rat, but it, it shows that even at that level, you've got a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, depression and a lot of uh, feelings of alienation um, right. that added to, to the anxiety. It, I would say though, that the anxiety was more towards the beginning. Then it started to take on more a form of depression because um, I was anxious until I started to lose hope right. because the ang- anxiety to me is about hoping it can be okay, but worrying it won't. But I, I crossed over into expecting it would not be okay. What I found fascinating over this last year, I've worked with the Dr. Stephen Portis, who wrote the polyvagal theory. And one of the things that your body responds to when you're in pain or any threat is an inflammatory response. So it turns out that anxiety, depression, bipolar, and OCD are all anxiety inflammatory, I'm sorry, are all inflammatory disorders. And there's a paper out of Texas by a Dr. Robert Dancer, which is a remarkable, remarkable review article about the association between inflammatory markers in your environment. And there's four things that pretend a good inflammatory profile. One of them is a sense of hope or optimism. The other one is social connection. The other one is a positive outlook, not necessarily positive thinking. And the other one is... Um, I'm blanking out. Anyway, but the bottom line is social connection and hope are a big deal. Optimism. And yeah. so and go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I just said, I said, I want to get, I want to, I hear myself talk all the time. So I want to make sure I listen to you. What you have to say is let's pretend I'm your patient. So I guess what I'm asking that we both agree that you have to be able to understand the doubt that's there before you move on. So from your perspective, your approach, from your experience, your patient's experience, um, what do you, what's your basic approach? What do you have to offer a given patient that comes to work with you? Uh, great question. The first thing I would say is I have a very similar take to you. I use a little bit of a different language, but you know, that's the way it goes. But I, I try to help people in, in the words that you just used. I try to help people suspend their disbelief enough to be open to it. Right. But they can be as skeptical as they want. Right. Um, and in fact, I encourage it just like like what you were saying. I know the name of the podcast may not speak to that as much, but um, it, it's the other side that I'm encouraging first. Go ahead and have the crushing doubt. Then right. we'll go ahead and crush the doubt, but you can't do it first. Right. So the things that I have to offer, one is information. Um, the way that my, my short-term model works is that I have what I call three columns in which to understand the mind-body process. One is the emotions column. This is a one that uh, Sarno really talked about extensively and, and the one he knew best. Actually, the other two columns, I would say, are not really well represented in his work. Uh, we've all come to understand by we, I mean, practitioners of mind-body work. Most of us understand very well what the emotions can do to lead to physiological change. So I'll, I'll talk to people about 
research studies. I, I give basic information, but I also give a basic framework of how to understand it. Just as a, a short example, when people have a, an uptick in a symptom or the onset of a new symptom, I tend to think of that as probably relating to an emotional experience. Right. So I teach people to pay attention to the timing. And when we, when we pair an emotional experience with a physiological response, that's the kind of thing that can reduce doubt a lot and give confidence and give hope, all the things that lead to change. So that's one column. Okay. But in getting better, what I found is that Sarno wasn't actually enough to get me the whole way there. Okay. I, there were certain pieces of the puzzle that I didn't understand so much, and I had to figure them out for myself. Um, one is doubt. So doubt is what I call the second column of my work. And what we do there, similar to emotions, actually, because I help people articulate their main emotional themes, okay. what to look for. Right. You know, like if they were disappointed by father figures or if they felt that they get betrayed by people they trust, whatever main themes tend to relate to when symptoms pop up. With doubt, I try to articulate the doubt. You know, it's exactly what you said. I, I am not trying to get rid of doubt at the outset. I'm trying to bring it out to the to the forefront. Right. To show how dominant it is, because that's what was happening for me. I looked at the emotional side, but I still had so much doubt in my life and about the symptoms and about right. whether, you know, it was like I got better from Sarno, but even just a couple of days into that, I was like, is this going to last? I, I don't know. Right. You know, there was doubt across the board. So if I, one of the things I offer is to help get out, get doubts articulated, get questions articulated, and then we can start to use science and logic to combat that. Right. That's where you start to crush doubt as the verb. Right. The third column, I think you'll be very interested in based on what you, you have said. Uh, it's a column that I call the power column. People often want to adjust the name. Some people aren't comfortable with the idea of power. They want to change it to strength or confidence. It doesn't matter what you call it, as long as it works for you. And, and that's what, what you were saying speaks to me about this, because one of my goals in the consultation is to get people off of the idea that I'm the guru that will solve everything. I want to hand it over to them and help them feel that they can be powerful in their own lives with themselves, with other people, and with their symptoms. And that's really what the power column is about. Well, you're teaching people. Well, I mean, I think my way I would interpret that is that when you teach people the tools to start regulating their body's response to threat, then they do have some power. That's right. That's right. And, and then again, education is a big deal. I mean, education isn't the, the total solution, but you can't really go anywhere unless you have education as the foundational starting point. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the information. But one thing I'll say about the power column too is, you know, uh, I think it was at the beginning of last time that we were talking that we were saying that the central change element is the relationship with the, the provider. And I do agree with that, but I would add to the picture because it's mixed in with this, that your relationship with yourself and however your mind works is important. So in these short-term consultations, one of the things I'm trying to gauge is how does this person's mind work around this? You know, for some people, they're full of doubt. For some people, they don't have a lot of doubt, but they don't feel powerful. Right. And for some people, they're not aware of their emotions. So it's all about how that individual mind 
is looking at things? Well, part of the problem is, as you well know, if you're suppressing doubt, it drains a lot of energy, so you don't have much power. And that's why Absolutely. releasing that doubt is really a big part of this whole process, because you have to feel it to change it. And for me personally, you know, I spent 55 years as a perfectionist, which I thought was a virtue, but it's horribly self-critical. I thought it was normal. I didn't realize that the physiological impact of always being unhappy with myself was having on my body. But yeah, my brain was constantly on fire. I had 17 different symptoms of a fired up nervous system and I had no idea what was going on. So I was a mass, to become a spine surgeon, you're suppressing everything and especially doubt. I mean, if you doubt yourself, how can you be a spine surgeon? And yeah. so that suppressing of emotions is actually more of a threat than actually experiencing emotions. And that may be, maybe between education and allowing doubt to <clears throat> be out there, why um, that's a pretty big step. Just those things right there are, are very, very powerful. And I'm guessing, obviously, you've had a lot of success with this. Do you, do you have a story that you could share with us of somebody that may have come to you with sort of in the abyss or the dark spot that we talk about and how this process might have worked for the, for him or her? Absolutely. Um, it's more an issue of which one to choose because right. there's all of these stories illustrate something really important. You know, I have had cases where people have come to me and in one session, we've turned around nine years of suffering. Now, that's not the typical thing. Don't, so if that hasn't happened for you out there, don't panic. Right. Um, but that illustrates how things can change very quickly. But then I, I think I'm going to pick a story that's more about someone who came to me, I would say, with a lot of doubt. Um, she was having uh, terrible knee pain for years. And, you know, she, she had gotten a certain diagnosis. I actually don't even remember what the diagnosis was offhand because I don't tend to think in terms of diagnosis because I'm thinking about mind-body issues. And this this is both thing, this is both knees. It was actually just one knee. Okay. Um but it was severely limiting her and speaking to the adjective crushing for crushing doubt. She was you know, she felt like her life was over. She couldn't she was a big exercise person. She couldn't do that. She was full of life. She didn't feel like she could do that. She felt all of her social engagement was uh, sucked of energy because she just was feeling so bad. She, uh, she was, she's, uh, the mother of two and, uh, you know, pretty happily married as well, but it was like all the flavor of life had been sucked out for her. And she came to see me and we really did start right where you said, you know, why would you trust me? Why would you think this would be different? And, and I said to her, I said, look, I'm going to tell you why I think this can go differently, but I totally get that you would be extremely skeptical. And I want you to bring all of your skepticism to it. And I'm going to answer your questions. And it's, it's really, if my, if the answers to my questions make sense to you, that you're going to start to have some confidence that this, that this can work. Now, here's another thing. I, um, I talk to people about my personal experience in psychology. They often say, Oh, don't disclose these things. You know, a, you don't want to take up the patient's time with that. B, it can be complicated in a variety of ways. But when it comes to this, I found something very different, which is, especially because of my experience, it's it's like a degree. You know, people are like, oh, you know what you're talking about. You you did this. Right. And so the, they're like people watching a movie that are on the edge of the seat. What happened? How did you do this? And so we started talking about things. 
and I helped, uh, it was the short-term consultation. I helped her articulate the emotional themes she was dealing with um, to show where there would be flare-ups, but she was having chronic pain. Now, when it comes to chronic pain, I'm much more working in the doubt and power columns. Right. Uh, the emotions are more about the ups and downs. Okay. So I said, look, we may be able to find the initial onset had an emotional theme, but I can guarantee you, you're not still feeling that emotional experience now, you know, we are changing beings all the time. So we really focused on the doubt and she came to see that she was doubting everything. She, she had questions coming out the wazoo. She, and understandably so. And the smarter the person is, the more questions and the more doubts they're going to have. Right. No, your intelligence really works against you in chronic pain for it, sure. It, it really does. And so it, um, you know, for her, we got, we got, pretty significantly far in the four sessions uh, that I usually do for a short-term consultation, but we decided to carry it forward a little bit more. And um, she, she's one of the people who really, she, she's, she's pain-free uh, with respect to her knees. What's happened, her knee, but what has happened now is she had the symptom imperative, which is, uh, as Sarno called it, the, the, it's the fact that the mind-body experience will take over and try out a new symptom and say, okay, right. you're not buying me here? Well, now you got some shoulder pain. And okay, now you're having itchiness. And okay, now you're having brain fog, you know? Right. So it can, it can kind of jump around. And essentially, we, we just articulated the doubt. We, we chased it around. We used science and logic uh, to get answers. And slowly but surely, she gained confidence. And as she gained confidence, the symptoms started to go down. And look, we know the number one thing that's going to build confidence is results. Right. Well, it's interesting you said this is a big point, which we may have to do another podcast to talk about this. But um, Dr. Schubner is a good friend of mine. He's a mentor for both of us, I know. But when your pain starts jumping around, that is a classic sign of, he calls them brain switches. So from a structural standpoint, pain is not going to jump all over your body, but it is absolutely diagnostic of the brain switching off and switching on. It's like a flickering neon light. And so we actually like that symptom. When I used, as a surgeon, I used to think, I used to dread that symptom. But if somebody starts telling me that the pain is moving around, that is a hugely positive sign. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, to me, it is the, the number one sign that it's working at the beginning. Right to move from chronic pain to pain that's jumping around. I know it's not pleasant, but it's, uh, and it sounds almost like an exorcism, but it, it really is the case that it is, it is a sign that the unconscious and conscious minds are starting to come together about this and recognize what's happening. So, well, Dan, I really appreciate your time at this. I do want to remind the listeners that, when we're doing the tools that we're talking about, when you learn, educate, power, again, your three columns were emotions, doubt, and power, right? Were the three columns that you That's work right. with. So yep. what you're doing, you're actually reprogramming your brain. Your brain actually physically changes structure. The term we use is neuroplasticity. So this is not some psychological game here. You're actually retraining, retraining your brain to react a different way to your environment. And once you have the knowledge base, then you have the tools to start changing direction, your brain physically changes. And so this is, is sort of, so I'm excited that you have this approach because we're almost, again, even almost word for word dead on with what we're thinking here. 
but you embrace what is, you can't really change your brain until you know it's right in front of you, then you can switch directions. So Dan, could you remind us again how um, you work and how we access your services? Yeah, absolutely. I did want to say one thing before I do that, which is um, I used to have what I called a fourth column, which was action steps, but I actually now just apply action steps to each column. So I do also offer, it's interesting because the action steps are more helpful ways of thinking about things. Right. And different ones work for different people. So that's just something that I wanted to say. I, I have, I actually have some PDFs that uh, have information on this. I have one that's called TMS basics or mind body syndrome basics that takes you through the whole way I'm thinking about things. It's just 13 pages. I once actually sent it to a woman and she actually got better from the PDF, which was like, wow. Yeah, no, uh, knowledge makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yep. Well, it's just like with Sarno. I also have an action steps PDF that that people can uh, can get access from, from me. So, you know, reach out with that. I have ideas about what to do about things. But I always uh, say, don't make me into the guru. These are just ideas. Right, right. So the way that people can reach me, first of all, as, as we alluded to a number of times, my, my podcast, Crushing Doubt, uh, you can find that on YouTube for the video uh, version of it, but it's on Apple Podcasts for the audio. Uh, you can reach me um, at this email, dan at crushingdoubt.org. Uh, you can also find me on Psychology Today. Just uh, search for me. I, I do have an office in New York. I haven't been there in a long time because of the pandemic, but um, I have the office in New York and I'm now in, in Cleveland as well, but I do mainly virtual sessions uh, even before the pandemic when the right. pandemic and now I only do <clears throat> virtual sessions, but, um, and I'm, I'm responsive to the emails and, and, and usually what happens when somebody contacts me, they ask me about my services and I de and then I have, I have an email I can send out from that and say, okay, that is how it works. Now I did want to say one other thing, which is I'm also, tr I'm trying to develop some other things for people who uh, require lower fee work or maybe want to do some group work because it's more affordable. So right. I'm going to start doing these teaching seminars Okay, uh, that you'll be able to sign up on our website, which is www.crushingdoubt.org. Perfect. Uh, the website is actually uh, being constructed. Uh, I wouldn't say as we speak, but it, it's, it's on the way up. So the seminars are not available yet, but they will be. Cool. Well, Dan, again, thank you. I'm excited about it. You and I have a lot to talk about going forward of doing some collaborative work. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, we'll be staying in touch. Thank you so much, David. This is uh, it's re a real highlight connecting with you. And, and um, it, it's, speaking of doubt, talking to someone like you and hearing that even though you say it differently, you think very similar things, it gives me more confidence in the work that I do. You know, we're always building our own confidence. And, and mm -hmm. so it's really nice to connect with you in this way. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, likewise. I'd like to thank our guest, Dan Ratner, for being on the show today and for sharing the specifics of his approach to treating chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. Thank you.